Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. All right, Solar Warriors, welcome back to another Tactical Tuesday, a short form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips and advice you need to build your solar business or career. I am looking forward to digging in today with Jesse Grossman, co-founder and CEO of Soltage. If you've been paying attention, you probably caught that in episode 283, we dropped a replay of the webinar that Jesse and I had back in late spring. In that webinar, we dropped a ton of gold, not only around how Soltage has grown to be one of the leaders in developing solar assets in the United States, but advice and insight from Jesse's 10 plus years since the last recession. I highly advise you to go back and check out that episode if you haven't listened to it already. Today, we're going to drill down, double click if you will, on one of the topics that came up in that episode, and that is around how to support and empower developers through the development cycle into the disposition or the sale of an asset and how to do so in a way that not only builds their business, but helps to build your business. If in this case, you're a company like Soltich that brings not only asset finance, but deep market knowledge to the marketplace. Sit tight. I know that you're going to love this as we dig into another Tactical Tuesday. You can find more Tactical Tuesdays just like this one over at mysuncast.com as always. For now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Well, it's a joy to have Jesse back on the show. And as I said, we're going to drill down to one of the topics that lots of folks found uh, very interesting and asked for more insight into from that webinar, and that is tips for solar developers. How can you simplify the project development process? First, Jesse, welcome back to Suncast. Nico, great to be here. Thanks for having me back on. Great to see you. Absolutely, absolutely. For those who are unfamiliar, you guys have been around for a while in the U.S. solar market, uh, developed nearly 700 million in solar assets and uh, over 350 megawatts uh, in the United States alone. Can you give folks a lens on the sort of the nature of Soltage's business, like where you sit in the hierarchy of the solar industry? Yeah, Nico, happy to. Soltage is what we call an IPP, independent power producer. We are vertical on a number of steps uh, in the solar space. We develop solar assets in chosen markets across the U.S. We work with development partners, large and small, across the U.S. to provide strategy, funding, know-how, and dollars to get their projects and their pipeline over the finish line. We have a, a strong technical team that's evaluating resources on the various assets that we or our partners are working on. And then we've got a finance team that through that we've raised that 700, I now it's around $800 million that we've raised uh, and deployed into the, uh, the construction and ownership of these solar assets. And then an, an asset management team to kind of round out the business model. 
that manages these assets, you know, not only on the technical side, sort of sending out the O&M teams and making sure these assets are running at peak performance, but doing the other 100 things that each uh, solar asset requires on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis to make sure they're running at, at peak performance, um, recognizing revenues, paying taxes, staying in compliance with the local jurisdictional agencies, et cetera. So it's really that, that full package um, that we call an IPP. Um, you know, it's very similar to just a, a solar utility company. And then to the investment world uh, that we work with, positioning good ESG investments into these assets. You know, we're somewhat of, a, of, a, of an asset manager in the solar space. You know, it's no small feat to not only have survived uh, the first recession since you guys started around 2005, and it was really insightful to hear what you've learned over that 15 years. I'm curious, as one of the co-founders, one of the leaders of the company for those 15 years, when did it become apparent to you that you were going to become an independent power producer rather than just simply a solar developer? Became apparent just a couple of years into the business because while we were focusing initially on developing our first couple assets, and mind you, back in 2005, 2006, these were all less than 100 kW and exclusively on rooftops. But it became very clear at that point that, well, we could develop a good asset, local incentives, get the engineering and technical pieces all slotted in. There really was a, was a disinterested universe of investors that, uh, that we were knocking on the door of. And, um, and, and they were very much focused on other parts of the investment landscape. From asset management perspective, there also you know, were not those tools and service providers that were in this space and able to perform at a professional institutional level that, that we saw a real need for if we were going to professionalize this space. And so we quickly saw that if we were going to uh, make a business out of this and make a market out of this, we'd have to go vertical in a couple of directions making sure that we were controlling the financial product and investment product that we were creating here as part of the development asset, and then being responsible for the long-term management of that over time. And, you know, filling out those two segments of our business model sort of necessitated us growing into a, an IPP. And there was a lot of models that we could look at at the time for in the thermal space, um, in the hydro space. And then the wind market was you know, progressing a couple years ahead of us at that point. And so the writing was was very clearly on the wall in terms of, you know, how we wanted to grow and scale this business, what we needed to do. I love that you touched on the models that you looked at, because a lot of times when you're in an industry as early as you all were, Sun Edison, Solar City weren't really a thing at the time. Um, they were in their infancy, well, Solar City wasn't even in infancy. And so there were heuristics for how to do this. Uh, one of the things that we talked about um, in a previous conversation that I think the tribe would get a ton of value from, these kinds of heuristics. As an entrepreneur, one of the things that you get good at is pattern recognition. And that's something as a project developer, you have to start to build a sense for, and it really just comes through repetition. The problem is when you're developing solar projects, you're capital constrained, and it's really, really hard to develop pattern recognition when you can only afford to. Uh, through bandwidth or capital constraint to develop maybe three, five, ten at most projects at a time. What are some of the ways that through Soltage over the last 15 years, you've begun to develop frameworks to simplify that development process, to pass those heuristics along to others who, uh, who now work alongside you in the ecosystem of Soltage? 
there's a real trend in this space, and I think in life in general, if I want to wax a little philosophical, about looking to overcomplicate what is what are relatively simple processes. And I like to break solar development down and say, you know, this is a 10-step process where you get a number of discrete steps in any given market that you're going to need to hit. And there's going to be, that's kind of the, the, the strategy, you know, the tactics are how do you hit each one of those 10 points and what are the sub, sub points and risk factors associated with each one of those. But, but there's, a, there's a couple of, of big points. You know, stepping back at Soltage, you know, we have our own on-the-ground development in a number of chosen markets where we work. And for each one of those markets, um, whether it's a market we've been working in for 10 years or one of the markets that we're branching into today, we take the same process of charting out an individual business model of development for each one of those markets, identifying what are the 10 steps in each one of those markets and how are we going to address those 10 steps effectively using what we know over the last 15 years of, uh, of business model development. Hey, I bet you are trying to figure out how do I follow along with what's happening with Solar Power International this year. North America Smart Energy Week 2020 is just days away. And I've got great news. We are going to be doing a weekly roundup. That's right, a recap. If you're familiar with the work we did last year at the Podcast Lounge, we have doubled down again with the sets, folks. And we're bringing it to you every Friday for the next seven weeks. Go to mysuncast.com forward slash SPI 2020. That's SPI 2020. It's going to be lots of fun. Go check it out. There's even prizes. You don't want to miss it. MySuncast.com forward slash SPI 2020. Hey there, commercial solar warriors. If you listen to this show, then by now you're very familiar that Extensible Energy's DemandX load flexibility software helps close more deals and faster by shifting to lower time of use rates and saving your customers 30% annual demand charges, all at a tenth of the cost of battery-based solutions. But did you know that Extensible also has a new solar partner loyalty incentive program that rewards your sales team with a generous sales bonus? Well, for now, until the end of the year, when you complete just three successful DemandX installs, your sales team member will get a $2,500 check or vacation voucher for when we all do get to travel again. This program also applies to your past customers who already have solar and could benefit from DemandX extra savings. Just contact Extensible Energy at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast to become a DemandX reseller and get all the program details and benefits for yourself. Again, that's extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. Well, Jesse, I feel like uh, like the 10 steps just sort of rolls off the tongue. My experience is that hardly anything is a 10 step process because it's it's participant and state specific in that vein of how you guys have developed frameworks. What are some of the tangible tactical steps that you work through with your development partners? I do say 10 steps uh, because it's a, a clean phrase that does roll off the tongue. And when you break it down, it's, it's never, you know, 10 in each state. Uh, it might be five in some states, 15 in others. But really, um, as we look at a state, we can talk a little bit about how we how we think about these various markets. Recently, um, especially in light of some of the different offtake strategies that we see available that anchor a development thesis in any state, um, we're seeing that states are either and, and specific uh, development markets are either land and interconnection driven, or they're uh, customer and offtake driven. And the customer and offtake driven solution 
might be in a state which is, you know, there's, there's plenty of land, plenty of interconnection, but you really need to focus on who the offtake is. And that's really constraining. We've got a lot of community solar markets that are popping up across the U.S. And, and more and more coming. It's something that's definitely um, in demand by energy consumers for not only the, the core reasons of uh, low cost power and stable power, but also a lot of the ESG uh, mandates that are coming up and down um, you know, our industry, uh, supply chains of, of energy, large energy consumers, where they're saying, we need to have renewable energy and we're looking for domestic energy that's, that's either on site or um, in, a, in, in our state. And so, you know, in those states, we're seeing a lot of customer-driven demand, and, and then it's, you know, seeing where the demand is for that entity in a region and seeing where you can, can match up development. On the other side of the coin, and this is where most traditional development comes, uh, comes out of, uh, the mindset of, let's look at uh, sort of an overlay of interconnection, favorable regulatory and local permitting points, and zoning and, and land availability. And then, you know, based on that high grade, a number of, of plots of land to try to get a lease or purchase option on and roll development forward from that. You know, when, once you've got that in place, then it's about moving through a process of, of, de of development and de-risking your, your interconnection, your permits and local entitlements, actually firming up the offtake that you've uh, that you've thought that you were going to get and then going ahead and uh, rolling through the more technical design EPC uh, permitting process and moving into moving into construction those all can be segmented on a continuum of you know the beginning of the development and the end of the development in the beginning everything is very high risk also relatively low dollars because you're not necessarily investing, you're investing thousands of dollars at that point as you're uh, going through some of the initial development steps. As you move, however, further from, from step one to step 10, you're going to be uh, expected to uh, make larger and larger payments, both with environmental permitting consultants, interconnection authorities, towns, and, and you're also going to be making really significant decisions that are going to impact your ability to ultimately get this asset financed. Uh, and that goes back a little bit into our last conversation of, of where you'd be looking to partner with the ultimate owner and you know, what decisions are sometimes better to be made together uh, in light of the actual ownership strategy and structure that you're, that you're moving towards. Yeah, brilliant. I love the way you couched that in the, in the beginning. It's high risk, low dollars, but as you, as you move closer to that step 10, uh, you make more commitments in the form of payments and decisions. And these do ultimately impact not only your ability to get the asset financed, but ultimately your ability to succeed at being a project developer who, do, who is more than uh, a one-hit wonder. Just quickly for those who maybe, not, maybe don't recognize the term, ESG is environmental and social governance. It's a term commonly discussed in the in investment fields, and it refers specifically to investors and funds looking for uh, assets that take into consideration these environmental and social elements when they look at how they invest assets. So Soltage and, and others who sell assets into or sell into these funds or attract these funds to, to purchase and operate alongside them need to tick the boxes there. Just for those who are unfamiliar with that, we've done a few episodes on ESG. Go back and check those as well. Jesse, what are the top three skills you're looking for? in a development team that for you passes the sniff test? 
all development is local. And so I think, you know, key among those, and this is a little bit more of a, of an intangible is, is a group that, that's really got a feel for what the local development market is. They're understanding what procurements are coming out. They can secure land in the area. Uh, they can work with, with the local owners of, of real estate, and then they can they can move through the permitting process. A second point that that is very important is having the appropriate technical chops to mm. be able to understand and do an appropriate uh, red flagging process up front to be able to to really um, take down and kill sites that that aren't going to work. You know, it's a real high mortality up front in terms of development. And, and and that's appropriate um, for each hundred hundred projects that that somebody thinks about. Very few of those are going to succeed. Earlier, you're killing those. Um, the better off they are. And I'd say, Nico, the the third point is really um, stability in a market and desire to be there for for the long term. You know, we're looking for for good partners and folks to work with, and you know, see them succeed time and time again. If they're really you know rooted to an area, if they care about the outcomes, and and they're going to stick with a development that is chosen, because not all development is is smooth and clean, and it doesn't always have you know the, a straightforward, linear, quick path to, to success. How would you coach one of your junior developers? on testing for the appropriate technical chops and like red flag process, kiss kill on sites, things like that. How do you coach them through that? Well, thankfully, solar development is no longer in its infancy. And a lot of the good developers that are out here today have some sort of a track record, either in the solar space or in some adjacent fields where you know success you know could have been shown. A lot of people are coming into this space coming from the uh, real estate market and so might have done residential or commercial real estate developments. And that in, involves a lot of the same processes of pulling down land, getting it fully permitted and entitled, pulling together uh, a real construction plan for being able to get you know, what is initially an idea into a built asset. And so really understanding, we, we, we look to understand really the, the legs behind uh, development idea, development thesis, and be able to, to poke holes in that. And if it doesn't, uh, if it's not sort of falling apart under a little bit of scrutiny, then, then we look to move forward to the next level. I think that it is increasingly difficult to separate the weed from the shafts. One of the reasons I asked this question, with respect to the work we do, what skill do you find is really rare to find? It's got to be layered on top of a, of a set of fundamental development skills. Um, so you got to know what good looks like, be able to assess land, be able to assess uh, off-take opportunities, be able to build a revenue story around your potential product. But really, the, the skill that I see that separates uh, really good developers from, from you know, those that are not is, is tenacity and bullheadedness. This is a, a, a very, fr- it can be a very frustrating field when you're, you're pushing something forward, you're looking to convince landowners, power buyers, permitting agencies, et cetera, that your idea is a good one. And not everybody's going to agree with you. And so really having that that sense of self, that sense of purpose, and being able to see an idea through is fundamentally the most important skill that, that we see for, for development. To that end, can you maybe share a story with us of when development expertise really came into play in a project you're working on? Sure. Good example from, from last year. We were approached with around 60 megawatts of assets uh, for four different projects. Fundamentally, they had, uh, say, 
you know, seven out of the 10 steps in place, six out of the 10 steps in place uh, where they had, they had their land. Um, they had a revenue contract. That revenue contract was in default, however. Larger scale assets, 15 megawatts each. They were being connected, uh, doing a transmission level interconnection as opposed to a distribution level interconnection, which which we see a lot of. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the transmission docks were were, were not um, to an institutional investment level of, of financing. And uh, and the EPC, you know, the EPC contract also also needed some work. Um, and the developer was looking for for a partner to to work with and then own those assets talked with the developer and it was just the sort of person we'd want to work with. You know, somebody very hardworking, somebody very smart, someone who had done, you know, years of work in that space and had a track record for success. And so we could meet each other commercially at a point where it was good value for both sides. And then we could really deploy the Soltage team to, to jump in. And we jumped in with both feet once we knew we had a live deal in place. And we assisted in working with the developer to restructure some of the ground leases, restructure some of the interconnection and uh, facility agreements in a way that, that could allow for us to deploy our institutional capital um, and, 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 a, and a partner to get brought in as well. Uh, on the EPC side, we look to mitigate the risks that, uh, that, that we you know, were not comfortable with and, um, and, and get, a, get a good contract that we could stand behind. And then, and then we dropped this into our, to our, you know, our fund, our private yield co, um, in a, in a, in a very clean way. And I think this took from the time that we had commercial agreement, you know, a matter of months, I'd say two months, two and a half months, uh, to do this. And, you know, these, these assets are now constructed. They're operating, you know, pulling down a significant, uh, number of, uh, number of megawatt hours that they're generating on an annual basis. And, and everybody was, was really pleased with the outcome. And we're, we're looking to see what more we can do together in that market. So that's, uh, that, I think, is a, is a good example of, of you know, our, our engagement with the development team um, in, a, in a productive way that, that generates value all around. And was that uh, two-month transaction timed? Is that, uh, where does that sit on the mean and industry-wise for, and for you guys? I'd say that that's on the shorter side of what is realistic to both you know, due diligence, uh, restructuring of, of contracts, some of them pretty key contracts to the deal, and then uh, closing not only our equity, but you know, tax equity and debt. So that would be uh, certainly on the, on the shorter side, and, uh, but we knew it was, a rush, uh, it was gonna be a rush job when, when we got into it. And so you know, all parties were aligned to, to move at that pace. Fantastic. And that's the value of working with someone who has 15 years of experience in the industry. Well, to hear how Soltage survived the last recession and Jesse's advice for enduring the present one, have a listen back to episode 283 or watch the replay on YouTube or LinkedIn and let us know what you thought about this uh, deep dive into how to better support the developer network. Did we miss something? Uh, If so, what? Ping us on LinkedIn. Jesse and I both will have our contact details linked on the show notes at mysuncast.com. Jesse, thanks for joining us again on Suncast. Nico, thank you very much. Appreciate the time. That's a wrap on this conversation, Warrior, but I do hope that we'll see you back here on Thursday for this week's long-form interview. I also encourage you to check out other episodes of Suncast and let me know what you think of these shorter-form discussions. Do you want more like this? We've got hundreds of episodes, resources, and highlights from these discussions, along with the social media links for each episode guest book recommendations, and so much more over at mysuncast.com. 
And that's also where you'll find other ways to engage with our Suncast tribe, like subscribing to our weekly tribe exclusive emails or even joining our exclusive inner circle of infinite learners and clean economy champions we affectionately refer to as the Guild. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, I do so appreciate your rating and review so that others can also find Suncast more easily. And a special thank you to our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor, as well as learn more about becoming a sponsor if that's something that you're interested in. You can follow the links there as well to any of the offers that we've discussed about any of our sponsors here today. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.